Did you know? As a young boy, Gary once made a gaggle of monkeys faint in Costa Rica. Apparently, they do not do well with a bag of cool ranch Doritos. Welcome to the RGGEDU podcast, where Rob and Gary talk and drink moonshine with your favorite photographers. Season 5 of the RGGEDU podcast is brought to you by Sekonic and their new L308X meter. Designed to meet the needs of the next generation of photographers and filmmakers, the new L308XU retains the compact and intuitive design of its predecessors while blending their best features and functionality into one meter. The L308X features three metering modes. Photo mode for still image photographers. HD cinema mode is perfect for DSLR and mirrorless videographers. And Cinemode, designed for use with cinema-grade cameras. Also added in are new features, such as the long-awaited LCD backlight, aperture F-priority photo mode, and ISO 850 for cinema cameras native ISO, making the L308XU truly a versatile photo centimeter. Get serious. Get Sekonic. In this episode, we're joined with Laura Jade, fashion photographer, educator, and all-around badass. <laughs> uh, based out of New York, right? Yeah, that's awesome. correct. I don't think I've ever been introduced like that before. I kind of feel like that's got to be my celebrity demand now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had, how did I introduce Sue Bryce? The queen of education. Yeah, queen of education. And all around Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. Yeah. Yeah. Wonder Woman's yeah. good too. I feel like I got to come up with unique intros to everyone. You do, because everybody's a little bit different. Yeah. And alongside me, Rob Grimm, the Shakespeare of beer. I am here. Yeah, he's always here. Shakespeare he's, of beer is here. He's the, co- he's the co-host <laughs> of, the, of the show. The co-host with the most. I apologize for my voice right now. We had a we had a pretty good party last night, Gary Martin. It was it was a good party. It was, it was the it was best we had. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, Laura, let's get into it. How would you describe your work? What do you do? I do fashion photography, obviously, um, but I would describe my style as romantic, cinematic. Um, I'm inspired by anything 70s, 60s, retro themes, and I started off doing fine art photography. So for me, fashion photography is not just about creating stories about the clothes and selling clothes. It's about creating a story behind the shoot. Yeah. Um, and kind of putting my own kind of personal spin on that as well. Were you always into the fashion side of photography or did you start off shooting a a different genre, a different type of photography? Yeah, good question. So I started at 14 actually, just as like the online kind of communities were coming about. As a shooter at 14? I was was experimenting. I had my first little point and shoot back in the day and it was actually the websites Deviant Art and Flickr. You guys know them. Of course. Everyone reminds me of those websites now and like my username was Lara Fairy, which (laughs) I'm like, I go back and I'm like, that wasn't me. Um, But yeah, I started off doing fine art photography because I was seeing, I was on those websites and I was like how amazing that people are creating these like otherworldly fantasy worlds Mm -hmm. through images and photo manipulation and I was just super inspired by that Um, so I kind of collaborated with that for a little bit with fine art photography and then um, fashion really came about because I was just working with more and more teams and kind of collaborators and models and I was like I like this like I like the collaboration aspect and it just happened that I was kind of inspired by trends more than I was kind of the fine art I- idea really mm-hmm. that kind of came about I'm kind of jumping 10 questions that's, ahead okay. Oh, that's good. Okay. I do that a lot that's right just go just <laughs> yeah, talk yeah. that's good so when yeah. you're shooting at 14 when 
did you go to school for it after that? Or do you yeah, do this high school, I, um, So we do the college before university in England. So I was doing my GCSE in high school, and I was the first person in my school to take photography. They, they let me do it. Um, and then I went to do a diploma in photography at a college nearby, which was a two-year course. And there I kind of like, I was like, wow, like photography is super technical. <laughs> like before that, it was like <laughs> you didn't point know that and part, shoot. Did you? Yeah. yeah, it was just like throw myself into it and, you know, Photoshop everything. To there's make math it. involved. There's math involved. Yeah. And I'm like, like that's my, my worst subject. <laughs> you're either creative or a mathematician, you know, you, you one or the other. And for me, that was like super scary, like to get in the studio for the first time and um, I was like I have a lot to learn but what college did bring was um, education on the art history side of things yeah. and it taught me to research and create mood boards and really focus on the conception of a shoot was there a period in art history that you were really drawn to um, not necessarily I feel like not a specific thing but I take inspiration from many different things mm -hmm. so for me it just kind of inspired me to kind of look into you know going to art galleries and just being open to like what the artist is seeing and and color like color theory was a big thing for me and like seeing how people approach color and I was into kind of you know it's not specifically artists but looking at the way people would use like mixed media in their work especially being into like using photoshop back in the day mm -hmm. those are the kind of things I'd look at so did you start with film or did you start in the digital era? I experimented with film um, during college for two years and um, I found that I very, I'm very much like a snap happy shooter. Like I love to shoot a lot. And I found the frustration coming from like when I was working with film, I was like, I totally appreciate when oh, people yeah. do use film, the patience you guys have. But it was just such a slow process for me and I needed to see things quickly. Like the way I work is very quick. Um, so it kind of, when I started fashion photography, I was like, okay, this fits. Like I'm able to see things quickly. I'm able to kind of really process what I'm seeing. But yeah, film was a, a slower process. But total appreciation for anyone that's doing film right now, even today. I'm like, you guys are amazing. Where is film that patience cool. coming from? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you started out really young, actually, with um, someone who's also on this podcast in this season, Joey L, yeah. creating um, a I think it was called Laura Jade versus Joelle. Yes. Or something like that. Can you talk to us about the planning and why you guys did that? Well, I met Joey back in the days of him. He was on the same online art communities as I was. And he was growing and um, I was growing at the same time kind of through those communities and getting feedback and improving and kind of creating that sense of community. And one day Joey reached out to me and he was like, hey, do you want to meet up and do a portrait shoot? I'm in London. I was like, yeah, cool. Like we knew a few mutual friends. So when I first moved to New York, obviously I, I know Joey from then too. And he was like, hey, do you want to like, we're always kind of in a way like secretly competing, you know, <laughs> because we grew because kind of from the same. People were looking yeah, at you guys. Definitely. Even though we're in totally different genres and it was just like a funny spin on it it was like hey we've always been secretly competing with each other how about we do this and how about you know joey's got such a great mind when it comes to like planning and execution and concepts and like projects like that i say that was all his initial idea and he presented it to me and i was like this makes sense and we can have a lot of fun with the process of it um, and, um, yeah, the initial planning, we were like, how are we going to do these shoots? What is the theme? I was always trying to, like, secretly figure out, like, how is he going to approach this shoot? And how can I one-up there? Um, but, yeah, it was a super fun project to do. And 
definitely like test in as well. All right, but so no no bullshit. Who won? Who won that? Joey probably won that one. Oh, you're okay. So? I'll give him that one. Yeah. Oh, you're being nice. <laughs> being nice. I think he said you won that one. Oh, Look at you too. Yeah, I knew yeah. he'd say that. That's yeah, why I gave him that. Right <laughs> so you've done quite a bit of education since then. What drives you to be an educator and to kind of share your knowledge in the industry? Of course. So back when I started, nobody was given any idea of like how to get into fashion photography, and even now, like. You know, people speak to me and they're like, how are you able to work in this industry? And there's no, like, book, there's no, like, 101, there's no, like, bigger photographers working in the industry giving that knowledge to people. There's, like, maybe educators out there who are giving the basics of how to become a fashion photographer. But the more and more I work in this industry, the more I realize it's just, you approach it just like the other, you know, any other way of applying um, photography business and trying to market to a client. And I was like, you know what, this is not like it's a competitive industry, but at the same time, people need to know the process and people need to know how to apply um, the knowledge of business in fashion photography or business as a commercial photographer. And that's something I really struggled with and made a lot of mistakes, especially in the beginning. I remember doing big commercial shoots back in the day at 17 in Milan, going to see Condé Nast, and people would look for my portfolio and be like, that's too much. Or I'd be on commercial sets and I'd be like, what is this phase one camera and how do I use it? You know, <laughs> just being thrown into the deep end. And had I have known all of the way to, you know, approach that ahead of time and all like the rules and you know you need a digitech and you need to tether and you need this and that no one was talking about that no one was talking about business call sheets estimates all of those things I've actually I've had six agents in my career and I've learned a lot from the way that they approach things and it was just again for experience so for me when I got into education I just kind of it was a sense of giving back to like you can do this but here's the tools to apply it you know almost and for me it's like telling my story as a photographer and kind of giving back that way and kind of talking to people about and honestly every time I do a workshop a student teaches me something I always laugh about this like every time they remind me of oh yeah like I have to refresh my memory of that light that beauty just looks amazing with that octobox behind it and I'm like I haven't thought about that setup in like six months you know so every time like I listen to a student and their story and how the way they're applying things I'm I'm learning as I go as well so you're getting big shoots at the age of 17 really early how did you do that I, I say that that was part of, look, my first ever agent, um, a photographer was who was on the roster recommended me, um, who could say I was growing an online community. And he said, this girl's young, has a talent. How about you, you take her on? And my first ever agent came over from Milan, stayed at my local hotel. At this time, I was living just in my first rental place. And I remember him staying at the hotel next door and he was testing me. His name's Giuseppe. And he was testing my, you know, my ideas and seeing, you know, I put three shoots together. He came along. He saw how I approached it. Then I started getting invited to Milan and he would, you know, take me around to all these art buyers. I, I couldn't understand what they were saying. <laughs> I'd sit there and I'd be like, did it go well? And he would be like, yeah, like it went well. So I'd just be sitting there in the meeting, like trying to get a sense of how people were feeling about my work. And I learned a lot. Like I was thrown in the deep end pretty early on, but I learned a lot. Were you nervous? I mean, that's, that's a really young and very tender age to be thrown into such a, a, a high pressure commercial world. And the world of fashion photography, there's probably not a genre in photography that has more failure 
Yeah. It's so hard to get into. How did yeah. you even get people to trust you at that at that age? Yeah. Um, who, like, seriously, who trusts a 17-year-old to do anything? Uh, who trusts the 28-year-old with blonde <laughs> hair and who looks 18 right now? So, honestly, I still get it. I still get it. I look a lot younger than I am, even though I've been shooting for 14 years now. Um, and I fight with it on a daily basis. I won't lie. Um, but I think it's a sense of having a sense of strength in meetings um, with your team. I can command a set of people that I'm working with. I'm not a loud voice. I'm not aggressive as a photographer, but I can command a set by the way that I talk to people. Um, and I think just when you go to a meeting and when you are working with clients, like making them aware of what you can do and like be excited about your work and talk with passion about, you know, because I am so passionate about what I do. I couldn't imagine not working. I couldn't imagine doing anything else. Like for me, every day that I'm on set is like I'm working with my friends. Like it's amazing. Like I'm at my high when I'm working. But um, in the beginning when I was working with those clients, like, you know, a lot of those early clients were like they didn't trust me. So they would have me work for free for a test. My agent back then would have me work on free projects to work with big ad agencies just to see that I could do it. Some of the times I didn't do a good job. Some of the times I did. Um, but it, it helped. You know, looking back, I'm like those early experiences really helped me define who I am. What were some of the mistakes that you made? I, I know that you didn't know a lot of the crew and the yeah. digital tech, but what were some of the mistakes that you made either technically or in dealing with clients in those early, early jobs? Um, not fully understanding the scope of the job um, and thinking that I could take it all on myself. I'm very much the type yeah. of person that likes yeah. to be hands-on in everything, and it's a, I have to constantly let that go um, by bringing on people, put the expert in their place on set, and especially those early commercial jobs with some big clients in Milan, I remember just being so overwhelmed. I didn't know the scope of my job. I didn't really know my role because I didn't fully understand and then I would make mistakes or I didn't know, like, if I was given money for an estimate, like, trying to figure out who that goes to, what people's rates are, you know, bringing on assistance. It's not just about the money for me, but making sure that money is, like, put in the right place, right. you know, to, to keep a sheet well organized. <laughs> but, yeah, all of those things back in the day really, really did help. Like, I look back and I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> some of the things that I went through, I some of the mistakes I didn't know anything at 17. There's no way I would have been able to figure out how you to You don't know anything now. <laughs> Oh, Rob. Gary, I'm so filled with wisdom. It's amazing. You're so knowledgeable. I'm very You're knowledgeable. like a hairy little Buddha. <laughs> full of knowledge. All right, so walk us through how has your team changed throughout the years, and who do you rely on the most on a, on a shoot today? Um, I would say my lighting and my digital tech. So they have been working with me. I have, very, you know, I have at least two or three contacts for each whether it's mm -hmm. makeup, hair, photo, lighting, and I fully trust them. And I think the biggest thing that I did, which really helped my business, was give away my retouching. I have five retouches around the world that I can trust. If I've got multiple jobs going on at one time, I can send it. Some people will work overnight. They're meeting deadlines. Before that, I was handling all of that on my own. I was coming from set. I was retouching at night. I mean, I go back to those. Like, it's exhausting, but... I kind of do miss those nights where I get my coffee. I'd be up till five in the morning, and I would be playing like Hans Zimmer, like soundtrack, right, right. and I would be feeling like a That's boss. Intense. You know, like you're there intensely, like yeah. yeah, I'm creating art. You know, with you with your tablet. And um, some days I miss those like moments, but then I'm like I'm on set all the time, so I could never yeah. do that. Um, yeah, I think the biggest thing was I rely mostly on um, my my lighting and digital, and they fully understand my preference on lighting. I've educated them on that. 
what I expect from them. Digital texts are important when it comes to, you know, adding a specific curve to an image to add a tone, things like that. Just all the magic to create something beautiful on the screen for the client to be happy. That recipe, and I think if you change the recipe, you you don't get the same result. I always say that to my commercial clients. Don't change the recipe. If we can bring on my makeup recommendation, my hair, my styling, that is part of my style as well. So I do try and educate them and, you know, educating your client too, like making them aware of what it is to produce the work that you see. Yeah, Yeah, it's extremely important. So who are your clients today? Oh gosh, I'm working with so many right now. Um, Commercial clients, I just got offset with Innisfree, who are a Korean beauty brand that are launching here in the US. They just launched a superstore in Union Square. Um, Air France, commercial client Harrods, I work with them a lot. Um, Harper's Bazaar, like international Harper's Bazaars, Vogue Taiwan. Um, Sarshan and Barbie designers, Remacra, a lot of designers, a lot of lookbooks. Um, it's kind of all, all across the board because I, I always say as a fashion photographer, you've got to understand the scope of clients that are out there. It's not just the designers. It's not just the magazines. You know, the magazines you do for love and personal projects. It's the commercial clients that pay your bills. So you have to constantly market towards those to be successful. How much of your time is spent on the road? I, I know you work here in New York. You work in, in London. Where are you? Mostly in New York. Okay. So I'm here probably 70% of the time. But this year I made it a promise that I would stay here because previously I've been like, oh, I still have my business in the UK. I'll, I'll go there and it's an excuse to go back to see family, which right. is great. But I wasn't here enough to market myself. I wasn't here to like if somebody needed me for a shoot. So I've definitely done more of the commercial work staying in New York lately. But that's not to be said. I have to keep up with my London clientele. Is there more commercial work in New York or in London? Um, I think there's commercial work in the major cities in London, Paris, Milan, um, and New York. But I think commercially there's more work here. Mm -hmm. If I had to kind of say, I'd say, yes, there's commercial work in London, but the rates are probably higher here. And you can demand that. Whereas in London, it's it's more of like the independent companies. You know, there is those, but it's a smaller country. Mm-hmm. So I always see it. You've got a lot of people competing for those clients where in New York, yes, it's competitive, but it, there's more of them. Sure. Yeah. So what's your go-to restaurant in all four cities? All four <laughs> what do you look cities? forward to? Oh, my gosh. I'm like, I love like little independent. Like right now I'm living... Um, in Clinton Hill in Brooklyn, and I'm on the border of Bed-Stuy. Now, I've always lived in Brooklyn. When I, I first moved here, I was in Bushwick. It's always very urban. I, I love those kind yeah. of lofty apartments. So for me, there's always those kind of more independent restaurants around here. But if I had to go for one place in New York, it would be Cafe Mogador. Okay. Do you guys know it? No, nope, no. No, it's a great Mediterranean place. They have one in Williamsburg, one in the East Village, and um, yeah, All right, that's so what do we favorite. get? what do we get there? I would get... See, I'm vegetarian, so I'm going to disappoint you guys. That's all right. Like, my boyfriend's such a meat eater, and every time he goes, he's like, Laura, really? Like, every time you go to these restaurants, like, there's limited stuff for me. Um, I usually get... um, What is it? What do I get? I haven't been in, like, a few months because I've been so busy. That's all right. I totally put you on the spot. Yeah, Yeah, you totally put me on the spot. I'm like, what is my favorite? If I had to go... My favorite food What about Paris? Anywhere in particular? I haven't been to Paris in a long time. I'd like to go there more. That's another one of my goals for next year. But I don't have a favorite restaurant there because I'm not sure. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. So how are you marketing yourself? How are you 
getting work? Are you relying on your on your agents to do that, or agents? Yeah. Or are you doing it? I don't have any agents right now. Um, agent free. Agent looking for num- free. Are you looking for number free. seven? Or I'm not looking for number seven. Okay. I feel like it's like talking about boyfriends, isn't it? <laughs> talking about an agent. You're like, am I good? No. Like, it's I'm kind of that relationship, that though. You're when you're with a rep, an agent. It's yeah. uh, it's a very tight relationship. You spend a lot of time together. Yeah, you do, and yeah. you have to constantly be checking in on them, them checking in on you, and once that kind of like communication breaks down it's like yeah. uh okay, that's because you have to respond and you have to deliver yeah. Yeah. you have to all of those things so i made that decision earlier this year um in february because i was just like you know what the way the industry is going i've been with reps before but my um, expectations of a rep are very high because i do a lot of work myself that you know you're giving an agent 25 percent of your fees so you want to know that if you're bringing them clients they're going to bring you clients and yes it takes a while when you first build with a rep but with everyone in the industry right now i've been talking to a lot of photo editors ad agencies a lot of people just want to go straight to the photographer and not have to deal with the middleman because it creates another level of complication yeah i think it's a really difficult time for reps right now Uh, clients really are moving away from dealing with them, and that, uh, that kind of puts them out of business. It's yeah, hard for them. which is a shame because they've been demanding so much in the business for so long and had a great relationship. And I do think there is a, a place for them still. And, you know, the ones that are out there that do work, they work amazingly. For, but I think the time of coming in as a fashion photographer now and expecting a rep to take you on early on, it's better to just market yourself. So the way that I market myself is I make a marketing plan um, every week. I start my week with emails, follow-ups. Um, I shoot a lot of personal work and editorials to have excuses, as I call them, mm-hmm. to reach out to my um, continuous client roster and just keep them updated. You know, as soon as you get this, the more you work, the more you get those repeat clients, the more busy you are, the more material you have to market and place in front of the right eyes. So for me, it's a matter of just constantly reaching out to people, um, setting up face-to-face meetings. I just come from a really great meeting um, with a magazine here I've been wanting to work with for a while and it was just a matter of continuously bugging them. <laughs> can I get? Can I grab coffee with you? Yeah. Um, and fa- people forget face-to-face meetings. You just you just want to know someone's cool. You, you want to know that they're chill, that they're great to work with, that they're talented. Because you know it's the fashion industry. There's a there's a lot of drama on set most of the time. You're dealing with a lot of personalities. So um, yeah, I think face-to-face is really important. How often are you showing your portfolio to someone? And follow-up question: What is your portfolio? How's it built? How's it printed? Oh, that's a really good question. Actually, um, for years and years, I was like, I want my industry standard leather-bound portfolio, and that's the only thing I'm going to show to my clients. Um, And the last two years, I've been showing it on the iPad Pro. Really? Yeah. I've switched over. And the reason is just because I shoot so much. I'm building content all the time. The iPad Pro is big enough, so it's almost like a magazine page. You know, they zoom into the quality. I notice when I've got the iPad, people will zoom into the skin. They'll zoom into pixel level, hmm. and they'll be like, oh, you know, they want to see more um, of texture and things like that. So every one of my clients has been super positive in reaction to that. Um, they're still like, I do miss seeing a print, holding yeah. a print, being able to reorganize it. But I reorganize my order of my book with every client I meet to target my work to them. So you them. can walk them through it so the I way you want to. Yeah. So it was like, before it was like trying to put the pages, you know, screw them into the yeah. book, taking them out. It was really time consuming and expensive. Yeah, it is. You know? so, That's interesting though, because when the iPad was really first a thing, everybody jumped on it. We were all showing our books on it. Um, and I found people were going through it too quickly. 
It was just swiping. Mm-hmm. And when I went back to the printed book, or I offered both, I found that everybody was gravitating to the print. They yeah. still love that, you know, to touch the paper, and go, yeah. they would slow down. Yeah. But you're, you're finding I think, that, I guess now it's, it is different because the iPad's totally. come a long way, so you really can zoom in I and see the detail. I think that's it, because yeah. the iPad has come a long way, but I always think about people's time. Now, people in the fashion industry seem to have less time than anyone else. <laughs> have you noticed that? So it's like, for me, like when I email someone, I just send them a link. I don't attach anything. And when I meet someone in person, I'm very aware of that time. Right. So I'm like, the iPad is like an easy way of like, okay, they need to look at it quickly, but then that's my job after to do the follow-ups to do the you know grabbing their attention with new work that's targeted towards them but you know I think both work both work well whatever you feel works but keeping up with two of those portfolios in two countries oh my gosh I can't even tell you the amount of times (laughs) I'd visit the printer and I'd be like can you just help me with this the last minute if you know a big meeting came up and I need to update my work so again yeah it's a little more time consuming to keep a book but Mm -hmm. the iPad's great you know, you don't have a rep now, but do you think you could have gotten where you were without that early rep? I mean, they because you, you, I don't know anybody that has a rep at 17. Like, yeah. that's unheard of. <laughs> um, I, I would assume yeah. that they really kind of help kind of craft you and guide you a little bit. Do you think you could have gotten where you wanted to be without them? Absolutely. I don't see any of my represent, representations and agents I've had as a negative thing. I think all have taught me a lot. Mm-hmm. Estimates, um, helping me figure out my early clients. One of my first ever agents always used to say to me, Larry, you need a better eye for detail and I was always like what is he on about like I, I've no and I was like why has he been so negative you know as a 17 year old everything's personal so I <laughs> right. would be like um what is, I don't understand and now I get it it was always having the eye for detail on hair styling makeup and that was missing um but I have to thank those early experiences because hadn't it been that I was thrown in the deep end in the commercial industry early I probably wouldn't have been where I am now mm-hmm. So it's probably stubborn of me that I don't have a rep. I think that's it. I'm no, very stubborn. I think, I think everybody's career goes through that where yeah. a rep is valuable and then there are times where it's not the, yeah. not the best relationship and yeah. you don't want one. Yeah. Do you have to Definitely. be super into fashion to be a good fashion photographer? Um, you have to have the knowledge of fashion. I would say you don't have to follow like, oh, Dolce & Gabbana have this yeah. like season right now. But what I would do is I always tell to my workshop students is always have one finger on the pulse of the industry. So things like um, understand, going on models.com, seeing what other people are doing, what other magazines are doing, um, going on vogue.com and just looking at the trends of what was on the catwalk for that season because you will take your ideas and inspiration from what the trends are. That's the number one thing. So I think just understanding trends and being able to kind of like pick references. So like whenever I'm on set, and the same with hair and makeup, they have to do the same thing. I'm like, okay, how about that shoot Steven Meisel did with that lighting? Can we pick that as a reference from this Vogue Italia shoot? So it's really helpful to me that had to have that in my mind so I can pick references, create mood boards. Um, and also it helps when I like pitch stories to magazines as well to be like, hey, how about for Resort 17, we do something like this because that is what is going on mm-hmm. right now in the industry. And it helps them understand that I I know what's going on too. So who's setting the trends right now? What where are the, the trends designers. coming from? So right in, now in we specific countries? Um, it would be the main ones. So London, New York, Paris and Milan, all the designers that are presenting. Um, and then it's the continuous themes that are seen in the designers' work that are kind of like the big trends of the season. So it could be like a nude eye with red lip was really like big for that season. So then I would have that in my head of yeah. for like, okay, maybe I pitch a beauty shoot 
for the March issue because that's when that trend will be yeah. around. So there is a lot of like thinking involved, which is when it gets kind of complicated, like all the little pieces of fashion photography. Right. So um, what's what's hot right now? What's hot right what's now? What's the trend right now? Um, well, right now I'm pitching, um, I just pitched a few of my editorials. So there was a lot of like, you know, I always say florals, which is like everyone yawns. It's like, okay, spring, summer and florals, you know, like <laughs> groundbreaking. Um, so that right now is something, but then you always do a spin on it. You know, spring, summer is always fresh. There's always a white clothing story. There's always um, a garden story with florals. So how do you put a spin on that and make it your style? So those are two things. Um, there was a lot of like frill and like big shapes and like big sleeves and things like that so that's something thinking back to okay if that's in maybe I'll create like a 70s story with a bell-bottom trouser because that designer or Gucci was doing this and I'm inspired by that so are bell-bottoms back I'm wearing some today. Can, can, could I pull off bell bottoms? Be honest. Could I do it? Uh, no, you no, can't. No. If you wore a fringe jacket, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Where do I get one of those? Can, can you pull off a fringe jacket? Can That's you pull the off thing. A fringe jacket. Zara. Yeah. Right. yeah, you I think know. so? All right. I don't know. Yeah. I'll have Virginia. <laughs> How much freedom do your commercial clients give you to drive the creative? I mean, clearly with the editorial stuff that you're pitching, you really get to drive the creative. But what about on the commercial side? How much how much leeway do they give you? It really depends if they come to me with their idea set and I'm just the person that comes in to light their idea and to direct the models. Or it's a matter of, um, you know, I always try and push and work for designers who really respect my vision. Obviously, it's a commercial job, which is their vision, so I'm not always going to get that benefit. But I try, if I can, to be involved in the casting. I always try and push for that. Um, I always try and get my retouches involved mm -hmm. to give them a great finish. Um, and I educate them on that ahead of time. And then when it comes to the creative direction, sometimes my clients will allow me to come on board and say, what do you think of this idea? Or do you want to present us with a mood board? Which, again, that's what I'm trying to kind of steer in the direction of. Because your commercial work and your editorial work is always going to be very different. You know, that commercial work is always going to be someone else's vision. And I find that not a lot of the time I'm able to show that because it is so different. So my goal right now is to work with those target clients that are in my vision, that our visions align. So it's not like, oh, you know, I can't include that or I can't recommend the model or anything because, you know, it just happens that you fit together really well when you start working with designers that are in line with your work. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I had the pleasure of doing a few shoots this week where they were like, okay, what do you think, Lara? Like, yeah, that's always nice. what, what kind of model do you see on this shoot? And I'm like, great. Like, I'm happy to go above and beyond for those clients. Are there photography trends in fashion? Um, or is it kind of timeless? Trends. It really depends. Again, like I'm thinking photography trends kind of come on board with styling trends as well. Like f for me, it's always the styling trend first and then the photography and the technical part after is applied to that. Yeah. Um, and that's how I see it. I think right now, the trend which I think a lot of people are seeing is this off cut in the moment crop, you know, horizons off center um it's lit probably not perfect probably a harsh light yeah. it's a little all over the board um that kind of quirkier trend is in right now um i've always tried to stay timeless because i feel like having a timeless image is something that people are going to remember again yeah, and again yeah, right. it holds its place in your book for much longer um and that was apparent in my meeting today it was like you know that 
you have to have that in the book that that's a trend right now to be really crazy and off cut and in the moment but it's important that you're sticking to this and I was like thank you <laughs> like, you know yeah, yeah. but it's important to not like follow the trends of like okay let me try this let me try harsh light let me do soft light let me because then your book's going to be all over the place it's always important to listen to your personal style and really try and like push that to clients if you can how would you describe your lighting my lighting gosh i surprised myself yesterday i did a bit of a terry richardson setup yesterday on set and my Whoa. team were like lara what is wrong with you um <laughs> because my makeup and hair know me especially as right now because you're such a lightning rod yeah, yeah right and um i was like you know what i Again, I'm starting to see more of the concept first before I think about light. I'm not Lara Jade because I'm soft and romantic and, you know, I light with like an octobox, you know, like I'm trying to apply my aesthetic and my theme and my style and trends and what I personally like and then think, wait, but what lighting works best for this? So yesterday I did like just bare bulb, like straight at, you know, just above my camera and the team were like, whoa, what's happening? And I was like, but look, like it applies really well to the fact it's a holiday shoot and it's very glossy and we're in this very like plain restaurant. Um, But yeah, most of the time, like I'm very much like I try to recreate natural light. Like I'm a big lover of a texture backdrop, a soft light, maybe a bit of a kick of an umbrella or an octa. Um, just to get the detail, but keeping it natural and believable. How often are you getting new backdrops painted and kind of describing <laughs> that process? Gosh, I wish I could get one every month. Right? But um, I rent them. I, I work with elephant backdrops, um, and I rent them for specific yeah. themes. I do have a custom one. Um, one is gray, one's a darker gray on the back, which is great to have for portraits you know I I shoot a lot for like things like interview magazine online where it's like we just need four shots of an actress it's always amazing for that Um, but yeah a lot of the time I like to build the set around the idea so I just don't know like what we're going to do ahead of time so I just rent based on the thing interview that's still going strong still going strong yeah that's awesome yeah yeah can we talk gear for a second yeah are you a gear head for junkie no can you tell yeah, well, a little bit. So, I'm what not. is your what is your go to camera that you're shooting on now? I'm shooting with a Canon 5D Mark IV um, and 85 mm lens, 50 mm 1.2 lens, and 24 to 70. Um, obviously, try and push for prime when I can, especially yeah. for detail. Um, and then for lighting, I'm using Broncolor right now. And as I said, sometimes I use natural, pop it in. Sometimes I'll recreate natural by use of diffusion, scrims. Um, and I'm using the Senso Move and Cirrus Kit from Broncolor. Does gear even matter? Um, it matters to get the the quality, like the you know that quality and the important detail. But I would say, like taking gear away, I would be just as happy. Like a lot of my location shoots, I shoot with just a reflector and a scrim because I like feeling free and not restricted by gear. For me, gear is just something to help get to the final place if it has to be there so you know if I'm shooting in the apartment sometimes I'll be there with my strobes and I'll be like oh this umbrella looks bad this octa looks bad but like, okay let's just do natural light today you know whatever it takes to get there I don't think it's gear first I think it's gear is the second part bef- you know after Idea the concept yeah. yeah yeah totally so where are you taking this career it's mm-hmm. it's been a pretty fast ride where do you want to go to Milan that? were you not listening <laughs> She's already been to Milan, where you not listening. Well, they don't, it only comes from a few places, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> um, just to keep doing what I'm doing, but working with luxury clients, like higher luxury clients, um, and continuing to work with clients that really understand my vision as well. So it goes hand in hand together. What's your dream shoot? 
If you had the ability to put together any shoot right now, what would it be? Um, I would probably love to do something for British Vogue. That's not just because I'm from there, and it yeah. would always be a dream to work for, like, the UK Vogue, you know. Um, and just model-wise, like, I'm trying to think. I'm, like, slowly getting those models that I wanted to, like, 10 years ago, which has been amazing because I've been doing casting, and I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm shooting this, this woman or this thing. Um, so I'm slowly kind of doing that, but... Yeah, I think just the publications. Like, you know, I would love to shoot, like, a huge designer campaign, a Gucci, a Zara campaign. Like, if I could see myself 10 steps ahead, that's mm-hmm. probably where it would be. Awesome. Go get there. No <laughs> doubt. Yeah. So what are you looking forward to the most? What does your next six months look like? Next six months? Um, I only ever think a month or two ahead because things change so quickly yeah. and clients put options on so last minute. Um, right now, I'm like shooting a couple of editorials for Harper's Bazaar Kazakhstan, which um, I mentioned earlier. I work a lot for the international Harper's Bazaars. Um, and also, perhaps shooting one of, um, at the end of the month, I might have a little secret project going on with a fashion icon that's really known in the industry. So oh, cool. it's like my opportunity to shoot her. So I'm really pushing a lot of fashion editorial because that's where I always I get my vision from. But um, just pushing towards bigger designers and like showing my portfolio to the luxury market. Do you ever get blocked with your creative where you can't come up with stuff or do you just have so many ideas you don't know which ones to do? It was so funny. I had this conversation the other day with my team and I was like, you know what? I'm not inspired. And I thought and I was like, it's because I've shot the six ideas that I had. Like I went forward and I, I have my mood board set. I have my, you know, my folders on my desktop and I'd had those creative meetings with my team and we did everything that I wanted to do and I was like okay well what's next I've been I've been to the beach and I did a shoot there I've been (laughs) to a cabin and did like a, a floral story at the cabin but what is next and I think what I'm trying to do is focus on the simplicity the emotion like really trying and what I my aim right now is to work with more celebrities and really kind of push and get because it's not just about you know when you're working with a celebrity it's about the personality it's about the engagement the emotion how you connect and you really have to make it about what they're about and their image and I think it's it's so much nicer in a way to do something that's not just set up around a model. It's you know it's more believable when it's a person's sure. personality. So I'm trying to focus the next few months on pulling back, making it about the person, um, and just making it more simple overall. Awesome. How about some rapid questions? You ready? Yeah. All right. Favorite movie? Oh god, you know what? I'm really not good at rapid questions because oh, okay. I'm gonna okay. No, but I'll think. Favorite movie. Ask me another one and come Favorite back city? City, um, New York. Favorite food? Avocado toast. Ooh, favorite, oh, nice. Favorite color? Orange. Yes. Favorite car? Uh, Porsche. Yeah, another <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, Rob, you got anything? Uh, sure. Favorite book? Favorite book. I'm not, like, good with books. Favorite magazine? Right. magazine. Um, probably Vogue right now. Any Vogue. Like favorite it. social media platform? Instagram. Instagram. Favorite thing to do when there's nothing to do? What's your leisure? What's my it's leisure? pronounced leisure. Leisure. Uh, it's leisure. What's your yeah. leisure? <laughs> <laughs> my leisure is sitting with my cats drinking a chamomile tea. No, it's um, my... I just like, I love downtime with my boyfriend and my friends, whether we go on hikes, whether we go on walks, because like, I work so intensely. It's nice to just get out and yeah, just get your heads yeah, somewhere else somewhere else yeah how much time do you take off here any yeah i get to i mean i'm freelance it's not like yeah. i'm like i get up at 8 a.m and have i try and be 
as strict as I can. But, I, you know, some weeks I'm on set all week. Some weeks I'm, like, in between meetings. And I do have that time to just sit and reflect and, you know, maybe play a bit of Zelda on the Nintendo Switch or maybe, like, <laughs> do something totally the different. The old school Zelda? No, the new oh, one. Oh, the new one. The oh, yeah. new one. I'm not yeah. a gamer, I don't know. You're not a gamer. No. I used yeah. to be years ago. And, like, now and again I'll, like, get back into things that and not to do with work because if I'm sitting at home I'll get on the computer and work with a glass of wine like I have to educate myself alright well favorite, favorite wine <laughs> um, I love a Malbec an Argentinian Malbec oh, yeah right, there you go the red red wine a red wine or do you do white at all no I do a Pinot Grigio in the summer but it's cold yeah, I, I crave sure. the, the Malbec nice <laughs> So where can everyone go to find your work and follow you online? Yeah, my um, website is www.larajade.com and then um, Instagram. So just my, my handle is just larajadephotography. On the grams. How much work do you think you've gotten from Instagram? Do you, do you ask Honestly, clients? I don't get a lot of work for social media. It's more of just having the, the following on social media that I'm able to leverage and yeah. use to say to clients. But I've gotten like a couple of clients that have reached out and been like, hey, we discovered you, but most of my work comes from just direct client, like pushing to clients and meeting them. Nice. Rob, you got any final thoughts? Thank you for coming. Yeah. It's been a pleasure yeah. talking yeah. with you. Thank you. It. Yeah. Thanks, any, guys. Any uh, final Jerry Springer thoughts? Jerry Springer thoughts. Do you know final thoughts with Jerry Springer? I haven't seen no? that in a you've long never, time. You've never no. seen it? Oh. We, we have um, Jeremy Kyle in uh, the UK, okay. so I love a bit of Jeremy yeah, Kyle. Yeah, at the very end. It's the most ridiculous show. At the very yeah. end, he like really drops some knowledge. It's like, damn, Jerry Springer. Yeah. He's good at that. He's, He's a wise man. Like, yeah, sort of. Very wise man. <laughs> well, Laura, thank you so much for stopping by. We appreciate it. It's yeah. nice to finally meet and uh, sit down and talk about what you do. Yeah, thank you guys. To download this episode and the entire season five, you can go to rggedupodcast.com and also follow us where we publish a new episode every Wednesday on iTunes, SoundCloud, MySpace that Rob is going oh, yeah, to MySpace, Vine. And Vine. Stitcher. He's going to re- resurrect Vine. <laughs> We're also on Stitcher and Google. Yeah. Thanks. No, wait. I believe it was sour cream and onion Pringles. Yes. Pringles make monkeys in Costa Rica faint. Once they pop, they can't stop. It's like Rob with Twizzlers. Season 5 of the RGG EDU podcast is brought to you by Sekonic and their new L308X meter. Designed to meet the needs of the next generation of photographers and filmmakers, the new L308XU retains the compact and intuitive design of its predecessors while blending their best features and functionality into one meter. The L308X features three metering modes. Photo mode for still image photographers. HD cinema mode is perfect for DSLR and mirrorless videographers, and Cinemode, designed for use with cinema-grade cameras. Also added in are new features, such as the long-awaited LCD backlight, aperture F-priority photo mode, and ISO 850 for cinema cameras native ISO, making the L308XU truly a versatile photo cinema meter. Get serious. Get the comments.